Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Today, we are continuing with this series on the book of Mark. And we continue with studying. We are systematically walking through the book of Mark. And we're looking at the person of Jesus. We're looking at the passion of Jesus. We're, we're looking at the purpose of Jesus and how all of these apply to our lives. And many times as you, as you read through Scripture, you're like, I don't really know what that means. Well, hopefully, as we walk through this, that we're going to be challenged. Now, how, how, many, how many are up for a challenge today? All right, that's good. Because... Because you might have some pain at the end of service. Because God's going to do something amazing in your life. This is what I believe. The Word of God, the Scripture says, it is alive. It is, it's God's breath. It's God's breath on a page. And when we study it and apply it, it transforms us and changes us. And so we're continuing this journey. What we found is that Jesus is, he's been moving throughout Galilee, which is just, it's a, it's a, it's a sea in Israel. And he's been visiting these towns and healing people. And he's been preaching preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's been loving people. He's been hanging out with people that normal um, religious people wouldn't hang out with. He's been, he's been forgiving people's sins. He's been doing amazing things. But along the way, there's been these people that have been hanging out who've been complaining about Jesus a little bit. And so we're going to look at these complainers today. Anybody here ever known of a complainer? Don't point at them. Just raise your hand. There's complainers, and I want you to know that there's complainers in, in, in every church. I don't know if you knew that, but actually there are the complainers in every church. There's complainers, and, and these folks, I tell you what, they're difficult to get along with. And these complainers are Pharisees, really, is what they are. Is they're, 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 kind of, they're giving Jesus a bit of a hard time, and so he talks to them today. But before we get into there, you know, I, I, there's this old uh, kind of a... It, an old story of a complainer in a church, and uh, and you know, as I get into this, you know, it's, it really isn't about today, but there is always one. There was this co complainer, and uh, and so the church wanted to make some improvements in the church, and so th what they wanted to do was was put in a chandelier. Now we, we're past the age of chandelier, at least for Faith Bible Chapel. I promise you, we're never hanging a chandelier up in this place, okay? But anyway, they wanted to do a chandelier. And so this guy was known as the complainer, and he just said, nope, I'm not going to do it. We're not, we're not going to put a chandelier. And they were like, well, why? And he goes, well, number one, we shouldn't have anything in the church that I can't spell. <laughs> number two, we don't have anyone who knows how to play the chandelier. And number three, what we really need is more lighting. <laughs> Sometimes complainers just complain. There's really no reason why they do. They just find a reason. So let's step into the story. Let's join Jesus as he is teaching today out of Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 18. And the Pharisees began to talk to Jesus. They say, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. But some people came. There were some complainers. And they asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples... And the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, 
so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, a new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. Otherwise, the wine, will burst, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Now this, if, if, you, if you were just reading through the book of Mark and you came to this, you'd think, what, what, is, what has just happened right here? Jesus was challenged and he gave, he gave three Parables, And what's interesting about these, these parables is some of them are really long and some of them are really short. But really, really what a parable is, is it's an earthly story that Jesus uses every time he taught. He never taught without using a story. But he takes an earthly story, tells an earthly story about a heavenly truth. And so he steps into that. And as we walk through that, there were these three little separate stories that I believe Jesus wants to speak to us today. He wants to challenge us in our lives. And he wants to meet us right where we are. And so the first complaint was that Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. They weren't they, they, they weren't um, doing something that is, is considered something that you would do for, for like to... to for spiritual disciplines that you would fast. It's, it's kind of like just crucifying your flesh. Like I'm not going to eat for a period of time to honor God and to seek him. But they weren't doing that. Now fasting, just so you're aware, it's a part of Christian life. We find fasting in the Bible. We find Jesus fasted. As a matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples one time they were, they were trying to cast some demons out of a young boy who was tormented. And they couldn't do it. And Jesus said that sometimes this, you can't cast these demons out without prayer and fasting. So fasting is important. Jesus wasn't saying that you shouldn't fast. But the Pharisees, they, they were fasting and why these people, why there was this comparison, we need to understand why the Pharisees were fasting. The Pharisees were fasting so that they could be seen. So they could be seen outwardly as, see, I'm holy. See, I'm better than you. See, I, look, look at me, I'm fasting. And what they did is this, is when they fasted, they would put ashes on their head. So they would take ashes and put it on their head, and they would, like, put it on their face, and they would walk around like this, like kind of dejected, letting, and moaning and groaning, letting everyone know that, I, hey, look at me, I'm holy and spiritual. And Jesus later actually said, no, 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 that's not how you fast. But this is how the Pharisees did it. And, but Jesus wanted to speak to this, and he wants to speak to us today. And so we're, we're going to look at what Jesus says. And so when, when they fasted, it was for this outward, outward image so that people could see that they're better than other people. Anyone ever known someone in church that thought they were better than everybody else? We all have. We've all come in contact with them. But Jesus was setting a different example. The Pharisees were mad because basically they were like, hey, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I don't understand what's, what's going on. We want you to be miserable like us, so why don't you want you to do things like us? So here's the question. What is Jesus saying to us from this passage? Number one, and we'll get into this, is he's, he's telling us this, that life with Jesus is full of joy, not duties. Life with Jesus is full of joy and hope and life, and it's not about duties. Following Jesus isn't about working harder. It isn't about trying harder. It isn't about trying to, to do something to gain his attention. 
No, loving, following Jesus and life with Jesus is about letting your heart be transformed by him, by growing closer to him. One of the core purposes of our church is to know God because there is always more of God to know. There's always more of him to engage with. He's always inviting us closer to know him more and more and more. And that's what a life of following Jesus is about. That Jesus wants to transform us from the inside out. And there's an important point we need to learn from what Jesus said. That the Christian life is this. And that's why he was talking about a bridegroom. He was talking about a wedding. You're like, what, what is he talking about? This is what he's saying. The Christian life is more like a wedding celebration than a funeral procession. The Christian life is, is, full of, is full of joy. It's full of opportunity. It's full of adventure. And the real issue the Pharisees were addressing, really, it's this. It's, it's not fair that you guys are enjoying life when we have to endure our religion. If you were really holy, if you, if you were really godly, you'd be miserable like us. I heard a pastor say once, he was writing this comparison of followers of Jesus and Pharisees. He, says, he said this, the Pharisees were griping while Jesus' disciples were grinning. The Pharisees were somber while Jesus' disciples were singing. The Pharisees were languishing while Jesus' disciples were laughing. The Pharisees were criticizing while Jesus' boys were celebrating. The Pharisees were jealous while Jesus' group was jubilant. Here's the question for all of us today that Jesus is asking us from this passage, which group do you fall in? Do you find yourself griping more than grinning? Are you more somber than you are rejoicing and singing? Now, this isn't about personality. This is about a choice. Are you languishing, which means you always see the bad. You always find the bad in, every, every, in, in, in everything. These languishing people, they always find a problem for every solution. Are you that person? Or are you laughing and seeing what God is doing? Do you find yourself criticizing more than celebrating? Do you find yourself dealing with jealousy more than being jubilant for what God's doing in other people's lives? This is the challenge from Jesus to us today. Jesus is telling us, my friends, and please hear me today, that he is good. He's telling us that following him is, is so joyous, it's filled with joy, that we, can show, that we should live our lives that show the world around us. Living for Jesus is amazing. It's adventurous. It's full of hope. And in the midst of hopelessness, we can find peace. In the midst of struggle, we, can, we know that there is one who sticks closer to us than a brother, and his name is Jesus. In our weakness, we can be made strong by him. Following Jesus is good. Once you encounter him, once, once he, you allow him into your life to begin to, to work in you and, and to transform you from the inside out, you realize once you taste of him, you know that he is good. That's why David writes in the Psalms, he says this, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes people stand at a distance from God and we, they think, you know what, I don't know, I'm scared of God. Well, the reason why most people are scared of God is because they're scared of Christians. That's called a pregnant pause, and so you let it just sit there for a second. The reason why most people are afraid of God is because they're afraid of religious Christians. But David says, no, no, 
If you actually encounter the real God, the, the, the one who loves you, the one who calls you by name, the one who knows how many hairs are on your head, the one who knows what you're struggling with today, the one who knows that you willingly sinned against him, but yet he still calls you and beckons you today. The one who, who, whom you have gotten mad at, the one whom you have questioned, and he still stands there and says, I'm here for you. David says, if you will taste of that God, you will find out that he's so good. That's what following Jesus is like. That's what Jesus was telling all the people that was around him. The Bible, te- the Bible doesn't tell us we will be free from struggle. It actually promises us we will, be, we will have to walk through struggle But the reality is this, that if our life is built on Jesus Christ, that as we walk in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, that as you follow Jesus, Isaiah 61 says this, that those who are followers of God, he will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of, of the spirit of despair. This is what following Jesus does for us. It is wonderful and it is fun. That's what Jesus was saying. The second thing Jesus is saying to us from this passage is number two is this. Jesus doesn't remodel. He does brand new construction. That's what he's saying. Because Jesus starts telling the story about patching on some clothes and and it seems a little weird and like I, I I don't get it. He wasn't talking about clothes. He was making a spiritual point about why he came into the world. Why he came. He came to give life. He came to meet us right where we are. He came to to take our broken lives and not patch us up. But he came to give us brand new lives. In Jesus' time, what would happen is they would, when as they wore garments and they didn't have the type of the type of fabric we have today, things would shrink. And still, even today, things shrink. And, and for me, in my household, I always blame the dryer. It has nothing to do with me expanding. But in those days, the clothes did shrink. And so when you were to take a, a, um, a, um, a patch... And many times because there was holes in it and you had to, they patched their clothes a lot. It was a part of what they did. It was they reinforced them. If you were to take a patch that had not been um, shrunken or a new patch and put it on an old garment, what the first time that you would wash it is that it would shrink and they would actually create a bigger problem than what you had to start with. So in this parable, so the question is this, and there's lots of different things we can connect with this, but Jesus was saying this, he was speaking about himself. In the parable, the old garment was the old covenant. It, it's what we call the law. It's what we, we call, we, we, God gave it to, to mankind. But part of the reason, as what Paul says later, is that the, the law was given to show us that we couldn't live up to it. That we all fall short of the glory of God. That we, that we all can't keep every law. And so what Jesus had come into the world is to bring a new covenant. And so he was talking about the old covenant. He said, and he just didn't come to improve the old covenant. He came to replace it with the new covenant. That's why in Hebrews it says that the old covenant is passing away soon to become obsolete is, what the word, is actually what the scripture says. So Jesus is coming into this world to, to transform the world. The Pharisees are hearing these things they've never heard before. And so there's no way that Jesus' new covenant, 
that he was heading towards to give his life on a cross, to die and to raise from the dead. There's no way that, that it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to, to somehow attach to the old covenant. No, no, it's going to be a brand new covenant that Jesus is making with mankind. And the Pharisees were threatened by this. Because their religion was based on keeping the law, but it wasn't out of, out of worship to God. It was out of arrogance so that everyone could see that they were keeping the law or trying to. They weren't living under grace. And Jesus is saying, I've not come into the world to remodel your life or patch a hole in your wall. Or I didn't come into the world to get your behavior right and hey, straighten up and act this way and do this. I came into the world to give you a brand new life and a brand new heart. That's why Jesus came into the world. And some people think, and you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I just need Jesus to patch up some, some of the problem areas of my life. But if we were really honest... If we were really honest with ourselves, we, we could all know that, that this isn't about problem areas in our lives because I know me. And I, and I promise you this, when I come to Jesus and when I do it every day, I don't need a better me. I need a brand new me. I need Jesus to make me brand new on the inside out. We don't need a better you. You don't need five steps to a better you. You need Jesus to transform your life and give you a new you is what you need. And this is what Jesus is saying. And so, many, and so many times Jesus can, can kind of be seen like duct tape, you know, like duct tape. Well, listen, I got this problem area. I'll just put a little Jesus on it, and uh, we can treat a relationship. I just need to put a little, you know, duct tape fixes everything, you know, so let's just put a little Jesus. Yes, it does, but the problem is we don't just apply Jesus to certain areas of our lives. We have to give him our whole life. We have to give him everything. Jesus isn't. Super glue. He isn't duct tape. He isn't something that just repairs. Jesus have, has come to give you a brand new life. And we can come to him every day. And Lord, don't patch me up. Just give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. Give me a new body. God, I come to you today and I just submit to you. Jesus, what Jesus was saying is I've come to give you a brand new life. And so when Jesus comes into our lives, he doesn't come to reform us. He doesn't come to give us a spiritual haircut so we look better, to clean you up. No, no, his purpose is to transform you. And make you brand new. Jesus is not into behavior modification. He's into new, brand new life transformation. And I need it and you need it every day of our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, "Is Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is why Jesus came. This is what he's speaking to us. This is what he's telling us today. Is there any area of your life that you need to surrender? So many times in a Christian life, we can, especially if we've been, maybe been walking with God for a while, there are areas of our lives that, that, that we think, yeah, yeah, that, that area I've given to God, but this area, this one's mine. So this area, I've applied Jesus, I've applied the duct tape of Jesus. This area, I, I, it's, it's okay. And Jesus wants our whole lives. He wants all that we have to give. And that's why Jesus came. He came to give us a holistically real life that's actually worth living.
The last thing that Jesus told us to do through this account, and this is the challenge one today, is number three, if you are not willing to be humble and flexible, your life will get messy. Your life will be, will be broken. This last story that Jesus told was about wineskins. So what was Jesus talking about here? Today we, 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 we hold wine in bottles, but in Jesus' time, they would put them in actual skins, a lot of times goat skins. And they would, take, they would take a goat and they would kill the goat, sorry, goat lovers, but that's what they did. And they'd scrape the inside out and they would sew it up. And then they would, they, they would, uh, they would treat the, uh, the, the skin, making it into leather. But, but when they were done, it was, it, was, it was flexible. And so when they would put new wine in it and the fermentation process began to happen, the wine skin would expand and it was soft and it was supple, it was flexible, it wasn't rigid. So Jesus is telling the story and he starts talking about an old wineskin. And this old wineskin that Jesus is referring to, this is, he was talking about a wineskin that had already gone through that process that I just talked about. It had hardened from the original supply of wine. It, 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 it had reached the point and stopped expanding and become hardened. It stopped. It was rigid. Wasn't moving. Wasn't flexible. And everybody who was listening to Jesus knew that, of course, you would never put new wine in an old wineskin because when the fermentation started to happen, then it would, it would crack, it would, it would pop, it would split, and wine would run all over the place. It'd get messy. And the old skin was too rigid to change its shape. It just wouldn't do it. And the old skin couldn't stretch because it had become inflexible. And this is a challenge to us. So what was Jesus saying to us today? The religious leaders of Jesus' day didn't like his teaching. And he was speaking to them because Jesus was revolutionary. He was saying things that had never been said before. One, his teaching threatened their power. It was new. He said things that had never been said before. He was healing the sick. He was loving the outcasts. He was forgiving sins. He offered hope instead of judgment. He, he didn't walk around with a long bony finger telling people how wrong they were. He walked around embracing people, restoring dignity back to broken and hurting lives. His new teaching shocked them. It, it offended them. And the religious leaders couldn't handle this new wine Jesus was offering. They, it, he, they, couldn't, they couldn't drink it. They couldn't handle it because they were rigid. This, no, 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 this is the way it is. Nope, this is the way it has to go. And so Jesus was addressing their attitudes. And their attitudes were this. Listen, if it's new, I don't like it. If I didn't come up with it, it can't be right. If it's not King James Version, that's funny. <laughs> Every time Jesus did anything new that wasn't within their parameters, as you read through the Gospels, and we'll continue to read, you can almost, almost hear the, the Pharisees in the background, like, like their stitches, like stretching. They're always hanging around. They're always challenged by Jesus. But here's, 
Here's the reality. Sometimes the Pharisees, they eventually popped and they, they lost it. They couldn't handle the new wine Jesus was bringing. And they nailed him to a cross. They were so angry at him. Now we know it was part of God's sovereign plan. It was God who nailed his son to the cross. It wasn't them. But they were so angry. They, they, they wanted Jesus to die. Here's the truth. Human nature always rebels against change. Anything that seems to threaten what we're comfortable with, what we're used to, the good old days and the good old ways, we resist it. The motto is this, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And Jesus compares that attitude to old wineskins. And here Jesus, he's trying to bring life. He's, he's the fulfillment of all the, pro, all the promises of the old covenant. He, he, it's, he's there. He, there he is. And they're resisting actually what they thought they were accepting. And he's saying this, if you, if, if, if you aren't flexible with me, when I start doing something new in your life, and you resist it, if you don't like it, if you, if you become rigid and you resist it, you're going to pop. And your life is going to get messy. God is the God of new things, new beginnings, new songs, new ways of reaching people. God is the God who, who he isn't limited by, our, by, by what we're comfortable with. Matter of fact, he challenges it quite often. But you know what a pop sounds like in a, in a, in a person like you and I? When God begins to do something in our lives and he, he begins to, maybe we're, we're, we're being challenged in ways we haven't been challenged. Maybe he's revealing things in our lives that we didn't realize were there. Or the comfortableness or the religiosity of maybe things at church start to change a little bit. You know what a pop sounds like? It sounds like the acts of the flesh. Sounds like anger, complaining, resistance. We get snarky. We start gossiping. We start talking about how right we are and how, how, how that they can't believe it. That's, you know what that is? You've just popped. You've just been confronted with the reality that you're operating under an old wineskin. Now, I'm not talking about the compromise of Scripture. I'm not talking about, listen, the Bible, the Bible is true. It is perfect in every word, every dot, every, everything. I'm just talking about some of these other things that we have to deal with. When, when God begins to move in our lives, I promise you, I, I, I promise you, it will require your flexibility. I promise you. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel stretched. You can resist it. But if you do, things are going to get messy. Every time God wants to do something new and our church, I promise you, it would require change and flexibility. Every time God wants to breathe something fresh and new on your life, I promise you, it's going to require humility. We're going to, we're going to have to be open. We're going to have to be flexible to follow him. Because if you do not, your life will be messy. I see it all the time. People who are in community, people who are in church, 
Matter of fact, just yesterday, I was having lunch, and there was a table behind me. I don't, I don't know where they go to. Maybe they go here. I don't know. They were talking about some changes at the church, and they were just griping about how they couldn't this and this and this and this. They were just, it was, it, they were just old wineskins. They couldn't, they couldn't, couldn't imagine that things would be different today than they were 20 years ago. I just, I can't, I can't get it. And it was, it was this nasty spirit and attitude. The best way to flow with Jesus is to humble ourselves daily. Listen, God has done things in my life before that I, I man, it was so difficult. I could resist it or I could say, Lord, I'm yours. Jesus was addressing this attitude that resists change on anything new. And we all have a tendency to reject a new idea or a new, a new understanding of truth or a new method. Or, or, or we, we all have that tendency. We all do. And that, that is what Jesus is teaching us today, that we are to guard ourselves against the attitude of the Pharisees. We don't want to be a stiff-necked or stiff wineskin that stretches and pops and we get angry. No, nobody wants that. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow things to be calcified and unmovable. When someone introduces new wine to us, we, it, we, we, it makes a mess. But it's very, very important that we as believers and followers of Jesus, we keep, we keep our hearts humble before God. Matter of fact, in Hebrews, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Speaking of when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were in slavery. During the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. So Israel was faced with this new idea of leaving slavery, going into a promised land, going to Cana. And so as they, as, they, as they left slavery, okay, imagine, they were free. God did miracles to get them out of wherever they were. They began going to, to, to a new land. They get like half the way out there. They're thinking, you know what? I wish we had some of that old wine. I don't like this. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. At least there I knew, I, at least I knew what was going to happen. Here I don't know what's going to happen. So I'd rather go back to slavery than walk in the new wine that God was offering them. And so what happened is, as they, they, they stiffened themselves, what happened is they, they, they you know, at the, uh, at the turnoff of the promised land, God kept them going straight. And they, and they went around in the desert for 40 years because they resisted what God, the new things God was going to do. They resisted. And they kept going around and around and around. And the same thing really is in our life, when God begins to press in on something, we can resist it or we can stay humble and flexible. Lord, if this is your will, God, I just submit myself to you. God, forgive me for my pride that's not allowing me to 
embrace whatever you're going to be doing. I remember I was talking to uh, Pastor George, who two years ago I took over the church from him, and he pastored it for 33 years. He was telling me that uh, he decided that he wasn't going to preach in a tie anymore. I know, crazy, huh? And he said he walked down to get ready to preach, and by the time, he goes, Jason, I'm telling you, by the time I got to the platform, three people had already taken their tie off and said, here, 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 put here, you, you, you can't preach with a tie on, here, put, put, put the tie on. And when we become rigid, we allow little things to rob us of the gifts of God that he's placed in us. And he told me this, he said, you know, he said, some people left the church because I stopped preaching with a tie on. And so this is, you know what that is? Old wineskins. Old wineskins, you, you lose the community that God has placed you in because you don't like one thing. You just can't resist. You just can't accept. You resist everything. And you lose the beauty of family. You lose the beauty of, of a community that's committed to love you and serve you. You, 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 you isolate yourself from your small group because, because there are some things in your life that you're resisting. I sat in my office. And I know this couple doesn't go to our church anymore, but I said in my office there was a couple that was in sexual sin, and they wouldn't admit it. They said, no, but that's not really what it means. No, that's not really what, what the Scripture means. No, that was only for at that time. And no, th- the reason why it says that is because this, this was going on, and the Scripture really doesn't mean that. And, and they just kept resisting and resisting and resisting. They, they were rigid. And we do the same thing in our lives. It may not be sexual sin. It might be addiction. It might be pornography. Oh, just, you know, just a little bit. I mean, you know, God, it's not that big. You know, you know, you know Lord, I mean, I'm not that satisfied. So this is, yeah. we make excuses and we resist and we resist and we become more rigid and we become more rigid. And guess what happens? Our life gets messy. Our life gets messy when we don't stay flexible, when we, when we remain the old wineskin. This is what I, I asked the couple. I said, listen, okay, all right. I said, if Jesus appears to you tonight, let's just say he appears to you tonight and says, your lifestyle is not what I want for you. It is not my way. It is a sin, and I want to help you walk out my purpose for you. And I said, what would you do? And one of them said, I wouldn't change. And I said, okay. Their life's going to get messy. It already is. People get so angry. That's, that's the areas of sin. People get so angry in the areas of change. William Carey, who was one of the first missionaries to China, he was burdened. And he, he, they, this, was, this was many, many years ago, a couple hundred years ago. And he, he didn't understand why the church wasn't going out and actually being missionaries. And he asked this question at a, at a meeting. He said, shouldn't the Great Commission, shouldn't we do something about this? And he was rebuked by an older man there. Nope, this is the way we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. So what did he do? He just, he packed up his stuff and he went to China and he began to reach people. And what he did became the model 
of what missionaries are today because someone decided to be a new wineskin and be flexible. He transformed really the whole impact of missions around the world. So my friend, here's the question. What is Jesus saying to you today? Do you need to stop acting like the Christian life is a funeral and start celebrating, start enjoying this life that God has for you, start engaging in, in people around you that love you, different ages? Do you need to stop trying to patch up your old life and really just give Jesus your whole life? Give, just give it all to him? Here's the, here's the challenge. Have, have you stopped changing? Have you stopped staying close to the Father? Have you hardened yourself against something new that He wants to do in you and through you? Have you become an old wineskin? And these are the challenges. And God knows where all of us are in all of our journeys. But this is what Jesus is challenging us today. And I believe He wants to speak to us. And I believe he wants to bring freedom to these areas of our lives. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.